Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. They make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. An amazing way to still have a drink with friends without feeling like you're missing out. Stay in high spirits. Keep a clear mind. Head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by the gorgeous Kat from Geelong. How are you, Kat? Good, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me on. I'm so stoked that you've come on. I, I really am. Um, we've been in contact, gee, over the, over the last year, off and on, yeah. you know, yeah. through Facebook, and you joined on one of our earlier webinars, I think it was. Yeah, one... The prior to Christmas last That's year, a little right. one that you did prior to Christmas, I jumped on that and that was good. For a few and, years. you know, Chris, who was in that group, I don't know if you remember who was in that webinar, yeah. but Chris was the builder and he was worried oh, about yeah. And he was on a couple of weeks ago as yes. well. And everyone loved that podcast. They yeah. thought he was yeah. brilliant. So you've got some big shoes ah, to fill, no pressure. I can, yeah, I can connect it now because I listened to that one last week. And, yeah, I remember him now from that little yeah. webinar. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've reached out to you a couple of times on Messenger just to say thank you for you, what you do. It's fantastic. I love that we were saying earlier how that you were listening to this podcast in your early sobriety and using it um, for inspiration. Mm. And it's great now that you can come on and now inspire others. Yeah, well, well hopefully. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Am hopefully, I'm bored to death. Who knows? hopefully it's not a yawn fest, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and spice it up a bit, yeah. <laughs> So tell us a bit about your drinking. Like when did it start? Well, the first time I probably, well, it wasn't with alcohol. It was cough syrup. Oh, what? <laughs> as a little, as a youngster, and I was trying to say to my mum, how old was I? I remember we went on this trip to Sydney and there was six of us kids. I was on the fifth out of like second youngest um, down in the pecking order. 
And so I was in the very back of the station wagon and I had a cough and I was just handed a bottle of cough syrup and I just drank the lot. So I got to, <laughs> and I was, I, it was terrible. I got to Sydney and I really wanted to go to this uh, Italian restaurant that we had planned to go and I couldn't um, go because I just felt so sick, you know. So that was sort of the first time with alcohol that it was in cough syrup. And then, yeah, I attended my sister's 21st and my mum said, you know, to me, my youngest sister, you can have a glass of wine each. So I was like, And how old were you? I would have been 12. So I've got four older brothers and sisters and then there's a five-year gap between my brother and myself and then me and my younger sister are a year apart in age. So, yeah, it was like you can have a glass of wine. Of course, didn't just have one glass of wine. We were pinching people's glasses of wine from all over the venue. (laughs) So even at that age, I had that sort of, ooh, one, let's just guzzle it all down kind of thing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then what? What happened? Well, probably the first time with friends was, yeah, around 13. I was actually cleaning out some photo boxes and came across a photo of the first time me, me and two girlfriends got drunk down a bar and heads together as, you know, they'd, they'd come down to stay the night and um, her parents owned a pub. So she always had access to grog. So, and it was just like, yeah, that's what we did. And I suppose being a little bit of an introverted kid, it made me come out a bit, you know, hey, like how fun is this? And, um, mm. yeah, and that just progressed to be a more regular thing over your teenage years uh, growing up in a small town and, I didn't know anybody who didn't drink. You know, that's what we did. We'd go down to the beach and and have a drink or go to house parties, um, preload before you went to, you know, underage discos and clubs and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and going. I remember a particularly bad incident with a bottle of tequila that I, you know, I sort of can't believe I did, didn't, you know, seriously you know, alcohol poisoning comes to mind when I think of that incident. So, really? Did you drink yeah. a whole bottle or something? No, me and another friend went halves in it and, yeah, that was very bad. Mm. Um, yeah, but that just became quite a regular thing, you know, competitions of, you know, we'd buy little hip, hip flasks of Southern Comfort Ugh. and have competitions of who could scull it in the most gulps like, or in the least gulps, like. Just neck it down, you know, just revolting. Oh, my <laughs> um, God. Uh, it makes me feel sick to think of it. And I think of back and go, God, I'm so young. Like, just my daughter's 12 and I just look at her and go, oh, my God, I was doing that that age. It's horrifying to me now. Oh, my God. It terrifies me as well because our daughter's 12 <laughs> and I probably started drinking with my friend Lyndall and a few of our other girlfriends around 12, 13. We're definitely drinking by 13. I think, mm. holy shit, Sunny is almost that age. And thank God she's nowhere near. Well, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Looking like doing anything like that. Well, that was one of the reasons to make me want to stop because my daughter, who's 12 now, was, you know, even this was a couple of years ago, really, starting to take a real interest in what does that taste like? How does, you know, can I have some? What is champagne like? What's beer like? What's wine like? You know, and it was like, no, 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 you can't, you know. And I thought, God, what? you know, what are we modelling here? You know, know, everybody around her was drinking, you know, not a lot, but like, you know, we'd have a few drinks and I thought, no, I'm going to show her that you don't have to drink, you know, that there, is, there isn't actually another option yeah. to not drink, you know. Yeah. So it was one of those reasons to kind of give it away. Yeah. So as you got older into your more adult years, 
Um, well, I suppose sort of late teens, it was pretty regular. I mean, we'd just go to bars and clubs and start seeing bands. So there was a, it was always really social. You'd be out seeing, seeing bands, you know, sort of 15, 16, 17. My older brothers would sneak us out and into clubs in Geelong. <laughs> Yeah. There was the $20 all you could drink nights and stuff like oh. that in the 80s, you know, like like the late 80s, early 90s. That there's a great band culture around Geelong and around the surf coast, and that was great fun to get out to. Um, so, yeah, it was just what everybody did. It was normal sort of house parties and that sort of thing. And, um, I suppose by my legal drinking age, I'd moved up to Melbourne in my, like, by 20. And Funnily enough, I moved into uh, a suburb like just up the road from where the first 24-hour liquor licence was granted. <laughs> so <laughs> just down the road was the Public Bar Hotel in North Melbourne. And, and you know, what a great venue. What a, what a great um, place to live, North Melbourne, in the early 90s. You know, there was just bands every night. You could go, you know, to the SB over to St Kilda, you know, to the Prince of Wales, to the Palace, to... Everywhere there were so many places to go and see music every night of the week. You know, around Fitzroy, and I remember going and see bands like a public bar and and all those venues mm, like SB yeah. and, and being smashed and, and yeah, you know driving home down the Eastern Freeway like pissed and I think <laughs> fuck, thank God yeah. I didn't kill someone well, or myself. Thank God and, I didn't have a car. I was too poor, so yeah. <laughs> just get on the train or. But yeah, it was um, crazy and great times, like lots of fun, and then. By sort of mid-20s, I'd started travelling overseas and um, being in Asia and stuff, It was alcohol was so cheap as well. Like you know, I remember being in Vietnam and we'd buy a litre of beer for a dollar. So um, eventually landed myself in the UK and um, nobody knows how to go large like the Poms. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> how much fun are they? Yeah. Yeah. And they so love a drink. They love a drink and that's sort of. And I think around then it was sort of more the real bender culture, like going on these three-day, going to Glastonbury and going to, you know, different festivals and you'd be on it for days on end, like that, that sort of real go hard or go home. Like if you're not sort of living on the edge kind of thing, you're taking up too much room, that mentality. Absolutely, yeah. And it's not like we even question it. I remember doing the similar kind of stuff. And going overseas and, like, I remember being in Italy and buying, like, a gallon of vino rosso, um, big mm. thing of red wine, and or going to to festivals and stuff and just getting absolutely hammered and not even questioning it because that's what we'd done growing up. Yeah, that's, and it was that's, just what, like, that's what we did. That's what you did. That, that, was, that was how you relaxed. That was how you had fun. And- yeah, and then you do start to get the little things starting to creep in of, like, it was more so if I'd become an arsehole the night before to one of my friends mm. or to ash or something like that and then I'd start to think oh that wasn't cool yeah that was that was weird but okay um forget about that have a laugh about it and move on and do the same thing again next weekend and little seeds of doubt started to creep in where I thought this is shit like but then I'd still keep doing it yeah 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 for me it was more around like because I'd always been really quite healthy and into my fitness so there was a real sort of contradiction within me I liked um being active and feeling well and I think sort of by the time I moved back to Australia in my mid-20s it was starting to wear on me a bit like I felt like you know you just don't bounce back the way you did but Mm. you're so seasoned by then you could still 
kind of keep doing it. And I ended up working um, as a scuba diving instructor for sort of throughout my 20s and into my 30s. And that lifestyle, just being out on boats, and, and the clients kind of expected you to have a few drinks with them. So you take them out for a day, show them a really good, you know, dive sites and have fun. And then they'd want to celebrate and buy some drinks and they're on holidays. So that's what you did, you know, but it was getting harder and harder to sort of get up the next day and get in the water as well. <laughs> so you had to sort of start starting to sort of pull back a bit by then. But, um, you know, when I eventually did move back to Melbourne in in 2000, um, I, was, I started going out with a publican. And that was the first time, like, he was a daily drinker as well. And you know, not as well, I wasn't because I, at this point, I was still scuba diving. So I had to head clear, you know. So yeah. I'd work every second weekend, but then every other alternate weekend, I'd have a three-day weekend. So that three-day weekend was like, right, let's get, you know, and that still binging, you know, in that way, but not as quite as often and, you know, just a couple of drinks maybe through the week here and there. But, yeah, definitely that every second weekend you'd, you'd go crazy. Yeah. And how are you starting to feel about yourself when you're having those moments of going crazy, especially oh. when you've got that contradiction going on? Yeah, well, that's that would be, you know, I'd be going to yoga through the week and going to the gym and then, yeah, you'd start on a Friday, you'd get that, yeah, it's Friday feeling and off you'd go and that would often stretch into Sunday morning and stuff and by the time you had to go back to work on Tuesday or you know, Monday, Tuesday, you just felt rat-ass. Like, yeah, like, totally. Oh. I remember yeah. feeling similar, like always having that contradiction within me as well and I know so well what you mean. Like mm-hmm. as I, I kind of got healthier as I got older but I remember I got right into mountain bike riding mm-hmm. um, in my late 20s and just be getting absolutely trashed on the weekend then getting up and mountain bike riding in the morning, but I'd feel so sick and I knew it was kind of affecting my, my rides. Cause I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't feeling as good as I could, but I just still, I just still thought, Oh, that's just what we do. And didn't yeah. really, to be honest, I never really contemplated life without it. Especially no, me then. no, God, no. Like what? I, I think I only ever knew one person. It was around this time. It was actually, the, the the other publican, so those two business partners, it was his wife. She didn't drink and it was just like, what? It, it just blew my mind. It's like I think it was the only person I'd ever met who did not drink at all. Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. You know, so then I suppose I sort of had periods of not drinking and especially when I was training to, um, I was trying to join the fire brigade and I was training to get in because the fitness that you needed was very high. So I had long periods of kind of stopping, you know, sort of three three months at a time. But then you'd always just get back into it again. Yeah. Achieve that goal or whatever and then, okay, yep, I'll have a few beers. And it was quite easy to slip back into that binge thing for me as well. That's Absolutely. what I've always done. So as a fiery, can I just say that it's probably the sexiest job? <laughs> <laughs> that anyone can have well you know I, I do it for all the women out there but trust me the blokes around the station a lot of them aren't that good looking <laughs> like you damn it don't ruin the dream <laughs> there's a few there's a few good looking ones but <laughs> oh my god my um daughter sunny she has her own podcast called when i was 10 oh, cool. and um she, i know we're a podcast family she interviewed one of the teacher's wives and she's a fiery yeah she's gorgeous she's so hot I'm like how can how like <laughs> it's just so gorgeous and you're 
you know, you put out fires. Like it's really gorgeous. Anyway, I digress back to alcohol. So what's the drinking culture, I imagine, within? Yeah, being a male-dominated industry, it's, you know, fairly high alcohol intake around, um, Not that obviously not in the station, but for me I used it when I, I think the thing with, with getting into the fire brigade is you work a, a four on, four off rotating roster so for me the four days that I was working I didn't drink but then the four days I I was off kind of like well you didn't have that Friday night anymore so your Tuesday night might become your Friday night you know what I mean so yeah it was kind of your weekends would come around a bit more regularly (laughs) every four days you have a weekend but um yeah just to if you'd had for me having a busy night shift or something or after a couple of busy nights and I wouldn't sleep during the day, um, but I, after working a couple of busy nights, I'd use alcohol to kind of have that quick relax, that yep. quick turn, you know, just a couple of drinks, you know, three or four drinks, I'd use it to have that quick, yeah, just right now. Just I can, now I can, yeah, yeah, just as a wind down. And um, that sort of, you know, I suppose that changed a bit. I had um, three children after I joined the Fire Brigade. I'm a bit of a all or nothing person as well. I sort of, you know, I'm a bit, right, let's do this. I never I never sort of really thought I'd have kids. And then at 37, I decided I'd, I had a, I fell pregnant with my partner and we had three children in four years or something between 2009. So let's wow. have three kids really quick. <laughs> so life changed uh, a lot, you know, and obviously you cut right back when you're, um, pregnant and breastfeeding and stuff but in between those pregnancies you'd still get those little party times in yeah and um yeah once uh, uh, drinking kind of evolved from that pre going out and seeing bands and partying and being social to almost like a self-medicating stress release it was like right I can have a couple of wines now get the kids to bed or, or not, you know, it doesn't really matter. It could be up. It's like, but I'm drinking, you know, I'm having a few wines and making dinner and, you know, you'd be in bed reading them a story and having a wine. Like, yeah. Shocking, yeah, yeah. terrible, you know. I remember that. I remember too within the times of being pregnant actually feeling like, oh, thank God, now I don't have to do it, mm. you know, giving myself that yeah. reprieve. And then that negotiation that started with the breastfeeding and trying mm. to figure out and Googling, you know, yeah, the yeah. pump and dump and pump all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, that's just such a head fuck. But mm. I remember doing the same thing, like being in bed and uh, with a glass yeah. of wine, reading them a story. Reading a story. Yeah. And then when I got pregnant with Aria, I remember the same thing, thinking, oh, thank God I don't have to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really great. And then yeah. I, I also realised too uh, when I started drinking again after having her, but I just went all that time without it mm. but I, because I had that excuse and that was when the penny first started to drop for me. Well, why am I doing this? Who mm. am I doing this for? Because I was so happy to not to have that taken out of my hands. Mm. Yeah. Yet it started again and I, I started to realise I think I'm doing this to please other people mm. rather than myself. But yet I still went on and did it for years afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a habit. It was so easy to go back to and it's what you did to, you know, connect with your friends again and maybe feel a bit less boring because you're, I don't know, home just hanging out with your kids, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Like, you know, but there's all that whole mummy wine culture and everything like go to yoga, yoga in the vines, you know, painting. There's this 
paint and pinot. Everything was like if with you, wine. yeah, it caught up with the mama, mother's group, you know, you'd have some drink. Like it was just so um, it's just everywhere. It's so funny. Some of the women that I coach, or a lot of them that are mums, have the mm. same problem. Firstly, the the mummy wine culture. Mm. Um, that's so. That's really huge. Like, and there, uh, there's one lady in particular that she'd moved um, to a new town, and that was the thing. Like to catch up with the new mums and to meet them, she had mm. to drink with them, and you know, it was it was starting to become a real problem for her. She was a big drinker. Then she was making a dick out of herself. Mm. And not knowing how to balance that and feeling worried that she'd be completely lonely or isolated, have no friends at all. Yeah. I mean, how do you weigh that up? Yeah. The, I don't, for me, like the, the hangovers were becoming quite brutal. <laughs> like, so how much drink. were you drinking? Like, uh, like not that much, I suppose. Like I'd probably have three or four glasses maybe. You know, my, my husband and I might have a bottle a bottle of wine and a few beers or sometimes two bottles of wine, depending on what night it was, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, so not huge amounts, but then you'd still have those blowouts as well. You could still go away. You'd have a 40th to go to or go away to a festival, music festival. And so you'd still have those massive blowouts as well. But in general, it was getting less and less. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely starting to affect me because, <clears throat> I think combining shift work and no sleep and children and no sleep and, you know, your quality of sleep was so diminished when you were drinking and it was that sort of anxiety was really coming into play for me. Um, And a girlfriend of mine who, you know, was a friend from high school said to me, oh, I haven't had a drink for 11 months. And I was like, "What? wait, what? That's an option. It hadn't, it was, and something just really dropped then when she told me that it was like, wow, you know, you were a bigger, he said, you were as big a piss head as what I was, you know. Yeah. Her, her oldies owned a pub, a country pub back in the day. And um, yeah, we just, that's what we did together when we were kids. And she was one of the, one of the party girls along with me. So yeah, isn't that great too, when someone actually, goes ahead and does it it's like oh wow that's an option and yeah. two you're actually a pretty cool person yeah so great person yeah. yeah my friend Lucy <laughs> she's been on the podcast a couple of yeah. times she is the co- like one of the coolest chicks I know and she yeah. was the first one she'd been sober for quite a few years before I co- cottoned on but I remember when she first quit drinking I was like wow that's gutsy firstly I thought well, she won't last <laughs> she did she and did. um and it actually sort of gave me permission not that I needed it but for myself this permission to go yeah. well that is an option and something yeah. you know that's doable yeah and yeah. you could still be a cool person yeah exactly or a, or a hot fiery well that's it <laughs> <laughs> but also Kat I love that um you can see that there's you know you don't have to be drinking four bottles of wine a night and not remembering putting your kids to bed to actually yeah. still realize this isn't good for me. It's actually a problem for me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, always, even right through all my drinking days as a a teenager, I could always get myself home. You know, I always had my faculties about me, you know, but more or less, but I could always get myself home to bed. You know, I was never one of these people who was born in the gutter and that sort of thing. I had a good constitution. I could, I always thought I could handle it. Other people might listen to this and, know me and go she was atrocious you know who knows but, um, 
yeah, it was, as you say, there was that, like I've heard, listened to a TED talk about grey area drinking. The grey, I, I going to say A lot that. of people fit in that um, category. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I always had a job and had to get up and go to work and functioned quite well and I would never say I was an alcoholic or anything, but it was, a yeah, that grey area drinking where, um, it, and it did sort of become apparent to me after, you know, having my kids and stuff and any sort of stresses that were getting too much. You know, I remember trying to do bed fast one year and my dad had become ill and gone into hospital um, and he was in there for, like, he subsequently died at the end of his stay at hospital. He passed away after about 10 days. But mm. my husband had to have a second surgery. He had been diagnosed with melanoma and he had to have a second surgery. And so there's all these things were really compounding my my son had to have all of his tonsils out, which is nothing. But the three things together yeah, sure. just became really stressful. And I was trying to do bed fast. And I got to about day 13. I was like, ah, I can't do it. And it was a hot day and I found myself in the laundry. And I literally just necked two beers to go, ah. <laughs> okay, I'm all right now. I can go and, you know, get on with things, yeah. whatever it was I needed to do. But So that sort of, I was having these little moments of like, mm, this isn't, this isn't. This isn't me. This isn't what I want to be doing. But it, I think I'm a bit of a slow learner. So it took me a while to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when you joined our webinar, that was one of your things. You said that um, with summer coming up and you were concerned yeah. about with the hot days and mm. that's a real trigger. But yeah. going back, um, I think one of the really important factors in um, kicking alcohol is realising because so many people use it for stress relief or yeah. to relax in inverted commas mm. uh, firstly realizing that it doesn't give you that because it gives you poor quality of sleep and anxiety yeah. and depression all the rest of it so using it for when you're using it for a crutch to relieve stress mm. or to relax and then realizing that it actually doesn't that's the first step realizing that it doesn't give you relaxation particularly the next day it brings on anxiety poor quality of sleep yada 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 anxiety all the rest of it but so then the second step is realizing, okay, well, how am I going to control my stress or how am I going to relieve that stress or soothe myself without the alcohol? Mm. So have yeah. you learned something to? For me, I like, as I said, I always like going to the gym. So I've just upped that, you know, and I go first thing in the morning when we're not in lockdown, <laughs> yeah. but I'll yeah. be down at the gym at six o'clock in the morning and I get that quick dopamine rush, you know, and that sets me up for the day. And even during like all the long lockdowns we've had over um, the last, God, 18 months, at home I would get on Zoom and my gym would run classes on Zoom. So I sometimes that 45 minutes, that class would be the only thing that I would finish in the day. There would be half-finished jobs all over the house and, you know, so it, it would be the one thing that would get me up and going and, I'd want to feel better for the in the morning, so I wouldn't drink. You know, and yeah. uh, look, I've always practiced yoga. I've practiced yoga for twenty years or more. So, just tapping more back into those things, getting out and walking, and doing some breathing. And now, you know, I think you still have stressful times, but I mean, the last eighteen months is testament to that. Like the amount of stress that's been heaped on everybody worldwide. Yeah. Phenomenal, and it was a big reason for me wanting to stop. I guess was like, you know, I had this idea that I would stop um, 
like when was it? it was February 2020 it was like I'm just going to stop until Easter because normally then we go away and we go to this festival up Talarupugi and that's a big party festival and we meet up with our friends from across the state and everyone gets together and has a big three days but then we went into lockdown and it was like okay well I'm not going to start drinking now I really need to have my faculties about me and my wits together and I've got to deal with the stress of the kids being home all the time and you know trying to somehow homeschool them I realized pretty quickly I'd rather walk into a burning building than be a teacher so, <laughs> yeah. that was like, yeah. oh, how do you do this oh no um, bless them they are amazing <laughs> shout out to all the teachers out there but yes. um yeah many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like, it's funny because after a time, you... I don't know, you still sort of maybe sometimes at five o'clock I have that, oh, I want to have a, you know, not, not even that I want to have a drink, but that ritual that you talk about. Yeah. So I do like the alcohol-free beers and, yep. you know, and I do make a nice drink like even some, you know, some other nice drink, even if it's just soda and fresh fresh um, lemon. But yeah, just something like that and that's enough. And Sometimes we're just craving sugar too, I find. Yeah. Like oh, particularly around that, is, yeah, yeah, that three o'clock time. Yeah, the sugar cravings in the early days were crazy. Like I was just chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Yeah. But I think it only really took me about two weeks to two to three weeks to go, right, well, I, I'm not really craving it anymore, craving that, that evening drink while I'm cooking. Um, yeah, and the, the lockdowns and stuff, the pandemic was a bit of a blessing in disguise because you're not going anywhere. You don't have to go out. You don't, you know, no one's inviting you over for drinks. <laughs> It's actually a really good time to, I know a lot of people will drink more and they'll rely yeah. on alcohol to get through. But like you say, I think people figured out pretty quickly from the first mm-hmm. lockdown that, okay, for one, that they're drinking escalated. And for two, it was so hard doing mm. like homeschooling or it enhanced oh. that feeling of isolation. So a lot of people actually uh, have quit drinking or pulled back on their drinking during this yeah. lockdown, I found. Yeah. So um, it's interesting what you say that we still have the stressful times. It's not like you quit drinking and then suddenly you're not stressed anymore. Oh, Absolutely you are, but you yeah. learn to cope in a different way. And sometimes it will, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast with Ash just recently, but with, my dad passed away just mm, recently, yeah, as you know. Sorry about that. And um and there was one night where I was just beside myself, absolutely just bawling, bawling, bawling. And it was the first time in a few years that I actually felt like a drink. Mm. It was really, and it quite shocked me because, you know, you mm. know, like <laughs> that's just not what I do anymore. Yeah. And it was quite strong, this urge yeah. for wine. And it 
and I just sat with it for a minute and I thought, okay, don't panic. And I knew I wasn't actually, I knew I wasn't going to go to the bottle shop and buy wine, but I just sat with it and I thought, what is it I'm wanting? What is that craving mm-hmm. trying to tell me? And of course it was telling me it wanted to numb out. It didn't want that yeah. pain anymore. Mm-hmm. It just wanted, I just wanted to escape from it. But I just thought, well, there is no escaping from this. You know, no. it's still going to hurt whether I drink two bottles of wine right now or not. Yeah. And probably more so. More so. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, what do I, what's the next best thing? You know, what do I need to do? Well, I need to soothe myself. So mm-hmm. I just went and got into bed and put the covers over my head mm-hmm. and just cried and cried. sort of rocked myself a little bit backwards and forwards, like a bit of a crazy lady. Yeah. And, and just was with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that does not sound very fun at all. No. But yeah. it, it got, I got through and I didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, I didn't drink and I'm, you know, so obviously very glad for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just like that um, Glennon Doyle, you know, we can do hard things. things yeah. You know, we you can. reminded me of my, when my dad's funeral and I had no intention of drinking at the wake, but then somebody, you know, shoved a glass of Sauvignon Blanc in my hand and that went down and then another one. And then by the time I left, but I was, you know, you're so tired and emotional. emotional. You've been crying all day. And I went out to my brother's house and by the time I was, and I just laid on his couch and was just bawling. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you're right. So it would have, you know, I would have done the same thing had I been sober. But exactly. You know, I woke up the next day and just I oh, felt dreadful. Yeah, you, you will still have lots of stress and there's, uh, yeah, other ways to deal with it though. Another great strategy I say to people too is just to focus in on the breath for a moment, like mm. just to to be so, you know, be with the feelings. Let's not try and escape them. They're there for mm. a reason. They want to be dealt with, nurtured, soothed, whatever it is, not pushed away. Yeah. And yeah. so be with them and breathe into it. So yeah. just focus with on the breath and, you know, the double up breath in for four, out for eight. Yeah. Extending the exhale stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system and it really does work it's very powerful yeah it it will definitely pass and I think this lockdown has been especially down here in Victoria we've had so many of them so the last one was at number seven (laughs) for regional Vic and I, I think it really knocked a lot of people around psychologically and even me and I've been pretty good through all of them but this time was like I felt in a real funk and so I just had to do something new and going down and swimming at Eastern Beach every morning with a, with a you know, I meet down there and have a have a swim at sunrise. Like just do something to shock my body. So like, awesome! It was cra- it's crazy. It's like twelve degrees, but it's incredible. You get out of the water just zingy, you know. <sighs> that is but really cool. It, so it sets you up for the day really well. And you know, by the time you know eight thirty comes around, you're so oh, I'm so tired, I need to go to bed. You know, you don't. the last thing on your mind is to have a drink. Yeah. yeah. It's so far from my thought processes now. Like I'm so rock solid in that, you know, I, I won't drink again. I know I won't drink again. It just doesn't give me anything. I started, um, I jumped onto a couple of apps. Um, one of them was just to literally plot how many days and how much money you're saving, but it was the Daybreak app. Oh, yep. I sort of use that as just a bit of a diary and it's good because people do put their their major slip-ups on there and you just go, thanks, that's good. I'll just remember that. <laughs> do you find that triggering? Because some people I've spoken to have found that was, was getting too triggering for them, hearing the slip-ups. No, no, I take it as uh, I like it because it means that good I reminder. do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's no good. Yeah, if I hear about someone's relapse, often like particularly Lindell's, um, mm. she was so rock solid in her mm. sobriety. Don't know if you remember her on the first yeah, podcast she did with me, yeah. and then she had a slip up, mm. and it was it was pretty short lived because her body wasn't coping with her with the alcohol, mm. but it put the fear of God in me too. You just think, oh God, no mm. way, you know how quickly people yes get back. So tell me, so you've been sober now for eighteen months. Yeah, so that's amazing. It's- been great it's been one of the best things I've ever done I wish I'd done it sooner (laughs) so what got you so apart from the lack of sleep what got you to the point where you decided Um, that's enough well it was a bit of a I think after having my third child he was born when I was about 41 and looking back after breastfeeding and stuff it was just this slow gradual slide into perimenopause which that's lots of fun, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and I've always suffered from migraines, like, but they were oral migraines. I don't know if you ever have, have had a migraine, but you yeah. just get those visual, it's almost like you're tripping. You get these visual migraines and they mm. they would go quite quickly and I'd just be left with a headache. But um, I'd started getting migraines after drinking, sometimes only you know, two or three drinks the next day I'd have this mad cluster um, migraines. We would just sit here and I'd be like, oh. But, you know, I would do things like, and it was always then a real wrestle. I knew I was going out and was like, oh, a few drinks. But then I'd have to take these really heavy codeine-based painkillers to get rid of this migraine that would make me feel sick, you know. So it was like, what am I doing? And that, that had been occurring for a while, probably a couple of years. Um, not every time I drank and not, you know, it, it, I sort of would go, okay, it must be the preservative in the alcohol. So I'd drink organic wines and sometimes it would be the organic wines and sometimes you'd be fine, you drink it. And the doctor would say, look, it's a combination of things, you know. It could be that that day you've had some chocolate as, along with a bit of a stressful day and then you go and have some drinks and all the combination means you get you trigger a migraine so mm-hmm. I mean I'd even had a brain scan I thought I had a bloody tumor in there or something oh, you know it's scary just, I was like wow well, why am I getting this thing so yeah by um so really around health reasons I think with my husband being diagnosed with melanoma uh, that was probably a few years beforehand but or probably two years beforehand um but that cancer diagnosis and sort of ongoing treatment, he had some major surgeries. And we have young kids. And the more I started reading about alcohol and the effects with cancer, how that how it increases your risk of breast cancer, how mm-hmm. everything that it touches on the way through your body, it causes cancer, you know, bowel, stomach, everything. Um, that in conjunction with my job and a propensity for higher rates of cancer amongst firefighters, you know, I just thought, wow, like, what am I doing? Is there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? Um, just the toxic smoke that we're exposed to, just the toxins that we're exposed to. So it goes in through your skin. You don't necessarily have to breathe it in, but in through your skin and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so there's a more a higher chance of cancer with my uh, occupation and, and, yeah, Knowing that, so health reasons was a big one um, and my daughter, her sort of curiosity around it. But, yeah, that ongoing issues with my husband. So he had sort of cut right back anyway. He was only really only drinking a couple of beers here and there and then I decided to completely stop. I think I had one one migraine too many and I was like, that's it. That's it. My, my daughter, 
like I'm a recovering Catholic. Um, she was talking about Lent and stuff and giving up things. And I thought, right, I'll give up until we go to this music festival. And it was about, yeah, until Easter, 40 days or something. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, I can do that. And, yeah, then, as I said, the pandemic hit and it was just easier to keep going. Um, got onto your podcast as it was kind of by accident, you know, got onto listening to your podcast, read a few books, um, things, uh, Holly Whitaker's Quit Like a Woman. Oh, yeah. So that's a, that was one of the books that I read early on and that was, you know, that was great. Yeah, it was kind of a bit of a slow burn for me over a few, over a couple of years. The positive aspect, yeah, aspects were really apparent quite early on. I felt so much better. Um, is, is that what you focused on? Yeah, you say? yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just, you know, I mean, I'll be 50 next April. So just really going, you know what, I actually want to be really healthy now. Like, you know, I've done all that. I've done it to death. I've been out every night for 25 years. I don't need to go out anymore, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. I remember saying that, Ash and I saying that, like, even in times where we try to quit for a bit and then go back to it and doing that back forth thing for a while. Um, and both of us saying to each other, we've drunk all the fucking wine. We've drunk it all. Like, you know, we've had yeah. all the beer, you yeah. know, surely we've tasted enough. And one of my things that stopped us was, but what about going to Europe? Mm. <laughs> and then he said to, but we've drunk wine in Europe. Yeah, we've, we've done drunk it. all the wine in Europe as well. Yeah. Let's try going to Europe and be sober. <laughs> and remembering it when you come and drink back. beautiful soda water that they have there, beautiful uh, yeah. bubbly water. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was probably almost a full 12 months later and uh, the festival that we were, we missed in 2020 because of the pandemic it was a little window of, and we ended up going this year and it was great. We were there. We were sober the whole time, my husband and I. We were with our friends. They were drinking. Um, they actually sold alcohol-free beer for the first time at this awesome. festival, which was so good. They yep. sold the, um, oh, that one. Red and white can, but anyway, but it was great. They had some Heaps alcohol. Normal. Heaps normal. Yeah. So they were selling cans of that, and you know, it was just great. You just feel like, oh, I looked after my kids properly. I made sure they ate properly. I wasn't yeah. just throwing bags of chips at them all weekend. Going here, you go. Yeah. So yeah, and you, you just, remembered everything. You remembered everything, and you still had a great time. It just, just you didn't it, shit your pants like I did no. once at a music festival. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not exactly. a highlight for no. me. Not a highlight. <laughs> oh, we uh, your sleepy bags. <laughs> like oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, those days. Like, Glad they're gone. Fun and you wouldn't trade them for the world. Like you know, but yeah, uh, yeah all that. Um, I don't know. There's a certain amount of dignity um, leaving a festival, having not soiled your jocks. <laughs> I remember being, I was at Glastonbury one year and the dance tent was full of water and um, Chemical Brothers are in there playing and they thought, right, we've got to get in and get all this water out because, you know, Glastonbury just pissed down rain for three days solid. And they put one of the poo trucks in there to try and suck the water out but they hit the wrong button and shoved all shit in there. That was it. I was like, quick, everybody out. It was disgusting. But you just didn't care. You're walking around in God knows what for days with, 
you know, in a, in a muddy field. But I'm thinking this is great because you're just off your head. Because <laughs> you're toasted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. So yeah. what did you do, Kat, in times uh, when stress did pop up, like momentarily? Like I know you said that you went to the gym for stress release. Yeah. Um, that's more of on a daily basis, I guess. So, But when something actually arose and you're confronted with something head on, yeah. Straight away, how did you calm the farm? Oh, sometimes just a good good yell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm still like a bit of a, I've got the kids at home, they're three o'clock in the afternoon in our place. It's like, get out of the house, you've got to get out of here because you've got to give me a break. Like, and, you know, they do, they know. They're like, right, we're going to go home. Mum's, mum's had enough of us. So you still yell and you're still, you know, you're still an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, we're still human. We're still human. I'm still, yeah. you know, I still ignore my kids and probably don't feed them as well as I should or whatever. But um, <laughs> we're lucky where we live. I've got a big green space out the back and, you know, I can take the dog out for a walk or yep. just uh, get on the phone, ring, ring somebody, you know, have a complaint to your partner, whatever it might be. Yeah. wrestle with the eight-year-old, get a bit of... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Out. But, yeah. There's all, all sorts of little things I try and do. But I don't, I find I don't get as overwhelmed either. Like mm. that's the other thing. Um, I think when I was trying to really juggle young kids, like when my, you know, I had four, three under four or three under five, they're all little, but juggling that and shift work and I just felt so inadequate at everything. Like, you know, I'm not doing this properly, I'm not doing that properly. Everything was, you know, um, but I was diagnosed as well like I was just so knackered I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue which is really common yeah. I think in women you, and you've got that real fight or flight and especially like I'm a bit prone to anxiety anyway I have been sort of even since I was a kid yeah, there's anxious feelings um but yeah just it, it doesn't occur as much anymore now it really doesn't it just you're, you're much more even. You're not on this the same with, with the adrenal fatigue and trying to um, sort that out. It was like, right, you know, you've got to stop drinking coffee and eating heaps of chocolate in the afternoon so you can drive to Melbourne and go to night shift and then you come home and you're knackered and you're on the coffees again and you everything's just oh, – you're on this treadmill. It was like, no, you've got to stop and mm-hmm. just try and um, bring it all down and make it more level. That's a real dance, isn't it? Especially doing yeah. shift work, and I guess the kind of job that you've got yeah. would be pretty yeah. high stress as well. So yeah. managing that self care in between, yeah. I imagine, would be really important. Yeah, yeah. So trying to, um, yeah, and as you say, self care is really important. Trying to find that time to, you know, go and get a massage, go and get a facial. Do make sure you do stuff for yourself because you can't. Like even today, trying to get on this, you know, my daughter's flicking coins around in the room and I'm like I've got to do this thing at one o'clock there's no way there's all this noise and you know but there and then she's like I need help I need help with this and I'm like you guys have got to get out of here <laughs> just, but yeah all right right I'll just message Danny so can we push it back an hour I can feed you guys I can sit down I can help you with your English work and then you know you've got to go or or just don't come into this room keep the door shut be yeah. quiet like yeah yeah and we usually always achieve the outcome there's uh, one one person I'm coaching at the moment we've been talking about um seeing things like seeing the outcome like thinking what outcome you want out mm. of a situation too so okay I'm stressed right now what's the outcome I want well I want to be not stressed I want mm. to be relaxed 
So what steps do I need to take to get to that outcome? Yeah. So what's one of the greatest things sobriety has given you, do you think? Um, I think just uh, a lot of clarity, decision-making is really much quicker. Yeah, and just I think looking after my health better, like um, just really knowing your body, knowing, you know, really feeling in tune with, with your body and yourself and that, that's probably the best thing for me because I do like feeling fit and active and, and healthy and just eating really well, you know, not not waking up and just wanting to go and, you know, implement your HOMS, HOMS we used to call it, hangover management system. <laughs> so it would be like, right, mental checklist, as you said, did I piss anybody off? Have I pooped there? No, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> um, you know, then you'd, you'd eat a pie or have a have a big M, you know, the thing, yeah. all these disgusting things. So that was your hangover management system. Drink lots of water, have a Barocca, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, you don't list. need to do that now. It's like and, and you know, eating eating much more clean, healthy food, which is what I like to do. But then when you were hungover, you just wanna you just crave carbs and I know. Yeah. yeah. Um salty, deep fried salty, carbs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think um not just uh, physically but you get so in tune with yourself and the longer your sobriety goes on mm. the more and more in tune you get with yourself and when you go through the big thing like me with the death of my father mm. um you start to get more in tune with your own feelings yeah you know yeah. and really recognize your feelings okay yeah. i'm feeling sad right now i'm actually angry right now and being able to name them mm. therefore being aware and then being yeah. able to control them a lot better yeah. and just I- so much more in tune yeah, definitely. And setting boundaries has been a big one for me. Just really yes. setting, you know, no, I, I'm not doing that. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel good. I'm not interested in being around that person or whatever the case may be. But yeah, really being able to set healthy boundaries because yeah, I don't, you know, when you when you start drinking so young and you're just partying, you don't have that. That becomes so. Um, you just don't really set healthy boundaries for yourself. You just, for me, I was always like, yeah, I'll do anything. I'm up for anything. Let's go. Like, let's go party. Let's do this, that, that. And you would put yourself in some dangerous situations. Yeah. You know, I'm quite lucky that nothing really terrible ever happened. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, God. I just think, oh. But we lower our standards so much for ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. We let it lower and lower and lower. And even to the people that we spend our time with, we don't realize it at the time. And that's not not to say we're better than anyone else now Mm. that we're sober, but you do start to realize, oh, I was hanging out with people because they say that, you know, you're the product of the five people you hang out Mm. with. And now I think, wow, and I hang around such quality people Mm. now, like beautiful people that have my best interests at heart and that aren't, you know, we're not just talking about gossip and, you know, like really. Yeah, no, really great friendships. Yeah, and I don't, your socialising changes, or your expectation of socialising. Like I still like to go out and see bands, and I don't need to be as drunk as a skunk to enjoy myself. In fact, I prefer it because you'll come away, you'll remember the night better. Um, you know, but socialising can be just, you know, even with the group of ladies who I go swimming with in the morning. Just that it might only be twenty minutes, but we'll be swimming along and chatting, chatting, and then you get out of the water and. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> and how good is that connection? Like that's also a, a mass, uh, one way of getting a dopamine dump mm. is is attunement with other people. Yeah. And I think we miss that. We think we're getting it with people when we're when we're pissed. Yeah. And with them. Oh, and maybe we still are. I'm not sure. But um, 
when you're sober and you're with people and you are really tuning into them, you can feel it when you're tuning yeah. into someone, even having this chat. Yeah. You know, and it gives you a little dopamine dump. It Sometimes does. a really big dopamine dump. And yeah. and it can be, as you say, it can be so short. You can be, you know, half an hour with somebody as opposed to four or five hours of drinking and getting completely messy. And that's the other thing. When you're around people for that amount of time, and you've sort of, especially if you're seeing the same people on a regular basis mm. as well, I found that would start a breeding ground for gossip and, mm. you know, bitching and talk. And then because you've got nothing else to talk about because mm. you've just yeah. seen each other the last just, weekend, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and you've been there for hours. And I, I just find that's not conducive to um, constructive no. <laughs> conversational material. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. And your time is so... Um, stressed you know when when you've got children and you're working your time is so stretched anyway you just like whatever small amounts of spare time I mean I don't have spare time what am I kidding you I have no spare time but what the hell I mean before having these hours on hours those long boozy lunches what the fuck oh my god like just not a thing that I can't even imagine. I know. It's like, I can't do that. I've got to go home and take the load off the line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But surely there's a load that needs hanging out or taking off or, yeah, yeah exactly. The other thing you're saying about music too, I remember going to Ash's gigs years ago and sometimes some really big, important gigs and him asking me at the end of the night, oh, how did it sound? I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was up the back chatting. <laughs> I was too busy talking or maybe watching, but it was also kind of muffled because I wasn't really taking it in. Like he'd say, how did my new guitar sound? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you had a new guitar? <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So anyway, yeah, there's so much to be um, grateful for and I hope it didn't sound too um, full of myself. It's not, you know, no. I hope I didn't sound too pompous there. But, no, no, you know, no. I was saying that. But yeah. I think... Um, yeah. yeah, but you're so, like you said, you're so in your own head. You're so, yeah. you know, when you're, you're not really noticing the needs of other people and stuff. Yes. But yeah. So if not, you can tune into that a bit better, it's like, yeah, that's a nice thing to do. Absolutely. Just be like, yeah, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kat, that's just been amazing. Such a great chat. If um, One last question. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and talk to your 12-year-old self or your teenage self, what advice would you give her? I'd probably say don't be in such a hurry to grow up. I say it to my daughter now. It's like, oh, my God, just be, you know, and in a way it wasn't like I was in a hurry to grow grow up because I think I stayed quite immature and a kid until I was a (laughs) mum. Yeah. But, yeah, sort of. I think I'd say don't be in such a hurry to grow up because you're a long time an adult. Yeah, long time in adulthood. Long time in adult. Um, There's nothing like three kids to make you think, oh, fuck, I'm adulting mm, right now. I'm really adulting. <laughs> yes, this is it. Oh, my God, they all need me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and probably, you know, trust your gut. Just trust your gut in situations. Use your voice. Mm. Um, you know, I think as women and as especially as young women in the 80s and stuff we, we grew up in a pretty sexist era and you know just use your voice yeah you know, I, I watch my daughter and her friends and they're so they're just so confident in themselves as well and you go god don't lose that you know yeah is that at all yeah it's gorgeous <laughs> it yeah. is yeah 
Well, I think you're modeling great things for your kids. So thanks, Danny. Thanks so much, Kat, for coming thanks. on. It was a great chat. Thanks so much for having me and thanks for the podcast and all the work you're doing. It's amazing. Yay. of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.